Transportation continues its volatile ride. The Brexit deadline fast approaches. What does it mean for American shippers? And how one retailer is managing a very hectic holiday season. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Yale Materials Handling, a leading warehouse brand that specializes in much more than just lift trucks. Logistics operations rely on Yale for everything from robotics and advanced power options to the company's most recent addition, an innovative tag-to-tag solution to help enforce social distancing protocols and inform reactive measures to limit virus spread. For more information, visit Yale.com. That's Y-A-L-E.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin, the COVID-19 pandemic has been especially unkind to retailers, including online retailers. Most have had to quickly adapt to just survive this year. And now that we're in the midst of a holiday peak, the challenges are even bigger. To find out how one online retailer is coping, here's Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thanks, Dave. Yes, today our guest is Phil Rich, Chief Supply Chain Officer and Senior Vice President at Sweetwater, which is an online retailer of music instruments and audio equipment. Welcome, Phil. Thank you, Victoria. It's great to be here. Thanks. Um, I wanted to just start out by asking you if you can tell us a little bit about Sweetwater, what the company does, how it goes to market, and your customer base. Yeah, great. Sweetwater has been around for 41 years now, and we began as a mobile recording studio in 1979, and that has evolved into us being the uh, largest online retailer of musical instruments and pro audio uh, in North America, and really the second largest in the world. We primarily sell things like guitars and keyboards and PA systems, uh, recording interfaces for home and professional studio, uh, lighting and sound for clubs, churches, for really any gathering whatsoever. And uh, that that is our our primary business, and uh, that's how we go to market is strictly online. We do have a store here in our headquarters in Fort Wayne, Indiana, but the vast majority of our business is done direct. Terrific, thank you. Um, so I wanted to ask then, you know, how is peak season shaping up for Sweetwater compared to recent years? Um, you know, is this really turning out to be a, a holiday season like no other when it comes to logistics and retail supply chain, as as we keep hearing? I think it is a holiday season like no other. All of our predictions have been overachieved by the market. It's, it's been an exceptional holiday season. Fortunately for us, we have um, done an incredible amount of preparation to be ready for this holiday season. But again, it just, it just continues to exceed expectations, and we don't really even see an end in sight once the holiday season is over. Well, and you anticipate what uh, what I was going to ask you next, which was, you know, sort of the steps you took ahead of time to address any um, issues that have been been caused by this increased volume you, you mentioned. You know, what, what steps did Sweetwater take to address, you know, delays, problems due to the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, one thing that's important to know about the musical in- instrument industry, or as we call the MI industry, is that it's made up of a handful of large and sophisticated companies, but it's also made up of hundreds of small businesses. Some, In some cases, a single person making a very unique product. Uh, 
so what we really had to do was we had to do a wide variety of forecasting and communication and planning at every level with all these different suppliers, whether we're working with a $500 million company that's importing guitars from all over the world, or we're working with a, a single operator living in Seattle, Washington, making specialized uh, audio equipment. It took months and months of forecasting and preparation with those companies because I think when this pandemic hit, the, the, the lack of sophistication in the MI industry just created a lot of confusion and a lot of um, lack of visibility for all these different suppliers. They honestly didn't know what was going to happen. And us being the tip of the spear, the ones talking to all the customers and trying to figure out and seeing the sales come in and figuring out what was going to happen, I think we had one of the best viewpoints of retail. And then again, supply chain was, was the important part of the communication. We needed to be talking to all of our suppliers to understand what struggles they were going through and what they saw coming with the supply chain. And all that preparation kind of culminated into us carrying a lot more inventory into fourth quarter, thinking that it was going to be a one like no other, and, and it's turned out to be that way. Thank you. Yeah, communication and preparation are two words that I hear a lot in talking to um, people across the supply chain these days. So those are, are really good points. I wanted to also ask, has the how has the pandemic affected sort of the labor situation for your company? Have you had to adjust sort of seasonal hiring plans or, or anything along those lines or, or or even just how it changes the way you operate in your warehouse? It it did change the way we operate, as, as I'm sure it did for most people with um, distancing, providing masks, looking at workstations, looking at what uh, how people are moving throughout the operation and distancing themselves. Really, the labor situation came down to one key metric, which is I think most companies probably calculate in a certain percentage for call-offs and sick time, things like that. Well, we had to add a percentage to that for quarantining and you know, for COVID. Good news for us is uh, we're fortunate to have a doctor and a nurse on site uh, for many years now, actually. And they've been really key for us in in identifying folks that need to be quarantined and tracking down the contact trace for uh, all those folks and keeping everybody safe. So this, there's been a lot of involvement and communication with our uh, on-site doctor and nurse. That additional percentage we went, which was really about, we calculated in about 4% normally for call-off and sick time. We doubled that and that seems to have actually turned out to be close to uh, to where we're ending up with losing people to quarantine or COVID itself. Well, that's really interesting that you have a, a doctor and a nurse on site as well. That's really um, obviously helpful <laughs> in this situation. Um, I want to look ahead too to the post-holiday situation and, and ask you what concerns you have about re reverse logistics. That's come up a lot in our conversations here. And, you know, should we re expect sort of a returns season like no other this year as well? And what are you doing to prepare for that? Well, very simply, you know, we're setting up more uh, more space, more desks, more more inbound for a return uh, come January, which is always a big return season for us. But there are two sides of it. I think this year, being an MI retailer, uh, one of the thing one of the segments that we do sell is we sell things like USB microphones and audio interfaces that folks use for functions like this for podcasting, for Zoom calls, for things like that. And those are a fairly new customer to us. Uh, in mass, 
and I don't think that we're going to see quite the returns from that segment that we do sort of the classic musical instrument customer who buys a guitar and then maybe has buyer's remorse or, you know, the 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 stereotypical story of my wife find out about found out about it, so now I got to send it back or maybe it was the wrong <laughs> color or didn't feel right or different things like that. I, so I think we're expecting the same percentage of returns from our traditional customers. I, I believe we're expecting less returns from some of those customers who are really out there just just looking for stuff to get on Zoom with and, and take care of their working at home needs. But a, a return season like no other, um, I, I would say yes to that. But but again, those those factors are, are in there where traditional, yes, but new newer customers, I think it's going to be less. Great, thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I just wanted to close by asking, a, you know, sort of on a lighter note, what are some of the hottest holiday items in your inventory this year? What's what's sort of flying off the shelves? A couple of things come to mind right away, and it seems like everybody out there right now wants to learn how to play the guitar, and <laughs> we can't we can't get enough of them. Uh, one thing that we've learned that being in this business for a long time is that when there's a downturn in an economy or some some uh, some kind of an effect on the economy that's very great and wide. Most people turn to two things, and the economy holds up two things, and that's alcohol and music. <laughs> and so may, maybe they both are combining here to cause people to want to be rock stars and, and play guitar at home and do that. But uh, guitars are very popular. And also the things I just talked about for Zoom calls, like uh, USB microphones, things like that. They're extremely popular in uh, difficult supply still, but uh, we're managing to um, to keep up through multiple suppliers and having a good variety on hand. Terrific. Thank you very much. I can understand the interesting guitars. My daughters wanted them a couple of years ago. They're still here, so maybe they should uh, pick them up and practice. I don't know. <laughs> so, Phil, thank you. Thank you very much for being here. We appreciate you uh, taking the time. Thanks, Victoria. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. And back to you, Dave. Thank you, Phil and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Ben, you reported on a number of transportation issues this week, and it continues to be a highly volatile sector of the supply chain. Uh, that's for sure, Dave. Uh, just as our Sweetwater guest was saying, uh, retailers have a lot of challenges out there, both in uh, delivering goods uh, and in reverse logistics. And we learned a little bit more this week about some of the underlying reasons uh, that, that are exacerbating those challenges. Uh, it's been a really stormy week in the shipping sector. Um, many companies, as we just heard again from our guest, are continuing to position themselves to be in the best position they can to deal with the impacts of the pandemic. Um, you know, for nine months now, um, at, ever since uh, the White House declared the state of emergency way back in March, we've seen spikes in demand for certain goods and other sectors have completely shut down. Um, and those large differences uh, are really continuing to upset the flow of logistics, logistics assets, uh, which usually carry that freight around the country, um, especially as the peak holiday shipping season uh, gets ever closer. Uh, so, for example, a study this week from a company called Container Exchange, uh, which tracks shipping containers, found that the global flow of those shipping containers has really been snarled up, and that causes empty containers to linger in storage depots, even as demand for them soars. So the uh, Container Exchange found that the global average for how long empty containers sit at ports or warehouses is 45 days. 
But that average is much higher in regions that have low container availability, like China and the US, uh, where it's more like 61 and 66 days on average, uh, where those empty containers sit. Uh, so federal regulators um, at the Federal uh, Maritime Commission uh, caught their attention, and uh, they're now conducting an investigation of some of the carriers and marine terminals uh, to try to look for a solution. Uh, and even the biggest companies can't deal with that kind of pressure because we heard from UPS this week that it plans to temporarily restrict the number of packages that it agrees to carry uh, from even the major retailers like Nike and Gap and L.L. Bean. Uh, since online orders uh, throughout the holidays uh, and the pandemic are just swamping UPS's networks. So that could even lead to delays in the delivery of Christmas presents uh, this year for some shoppers. Are individual companies taking any steps to deal with those challenges? They sure are. Um, yeah, we've seen a lot of action uh, just this week on that front. Uh, the big news was that XPO Logistics, uh, which provides uh, trucking and transportation services, as well as contract warehouse logistics, it split those two specialties up into two separate companies. Uh, that was somewhat surprising, given that XPO, which is uh, one of the biggest uh, companies in, in the sector, has built itself from the very beginning through big acquisitions like Conway Trucking in the US and uh, Norbert uh, Dantrasangel in Europe and France. Uh, but the company had been talking for months about selling off uh, certain of those divisions. It was delayed, uh, of course, through the pandemic, um, through the recession. Uh, but this move finally gives us a lot more clarity uh, about uh, that strategy of theirs. Uh, we also saw several other large logistics firms uh, continue to make investments and consolidations. Uh, for example, the 3PL Penske Logistics uh, is building up the transportation part of its practice by acquiring Black Horse Carriers. That's a privately held trucking company that carries a lot of freight in food and grocery, uh, consumer packaged goods and automotive industries, among others. Uh, second example is that the uh, truckload company J.B. Hunt, very big one, expanded its last mile delivery network uh, by acquiring uh, a commercial fitness equipment delivery firm that's called Mass Movement. And a third example, um, all within this week, is that the major East Coast freight railroad, CSX, uh, acquired a large regional carrier called Pan Am Railways, saying that that move will expand CSX's reach throughout the uh, very densely populated New England states. Uh, so buying that other railroad um, expands CSX's network um, into Connecticut, New York, and Massachusetts and adds new states with Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. Uh, so really we're seeing a lot of repositioning right now um, of, of companies throughout that shipping sector uh, as they everybody's looking for solutions uh, to get through this. Yeah, it certainly appears that the wild ride in transportation will continue for some time. Thanks, Ben. And Victoria, you reported this week on the upcoming Brexit deadline and how it will affect logistics operations. Can you tell us more? Yes, Dave, that's right. And um, along with all the um, crazy shipping situation that we're talking about, in UK and the EU, they're dealing with Brexit. And so the deadline to reach a Brexit trade deal is coming up at the end of this month. And it has companies across the region focused on preparing for big changes in how they, um, in how they trade. Essentially, beginning January 1st, every shipment between the UK and the EU will be an import-export situation, which means added paperwork and documentation that companies there don't have to prepare or produce now. That obviously adds logistics headaches for companies in both regions, many of whom have been preparing for this since the Brexit referendum in 2016. But some are more prepared than others, and there's a sense that logistics delays and disruptions are on the horizon especially at a time, as we say, when trade is already being complicated by the uh, pandemic. What kind of effect will that have on U.S. companies? 
Yeah, good question, because that's that's what we're always talking about here. So the way this will play out in terms of trade deals um, between the UK and the US remains to be seen. None of that can take place until after the UK-EU talks, as I understand it. And much of it depends on how a new US presidential administration approaches trade issues. But this week, I sat in on a couple of panel discussions about Brexit, and I learned about how it's affecting US companies that use an established presence in the UK to serve its European customers they'll have to navigate the same challenges as any other business located in the UK and shipping to mainland Europe. One panel featured representatives from um, the Holland International Distribution Council, or HIDC, and they're a trade group that represents the Dutch logistics industry. And they discussed the growing interest they've seen from US companies looking for new logistics strategies um, in the region. Um, essentially, they're doing two things, US companies. They're looking at forming you know, sort of a two DC solution for serving Europe. That is, you know, having one DC in the UK for that market and adding another in Europe to ship to customers there. Um, if moving or adding a DC is too big a step for some organizations, then companies are looking for a local assistance in Europe, you know, to find customs agents, consolidators, and others who can help them manage uh, the logistics of shipping in this new environment. Agencies like HIDC help them do that, uh, help them do both. And again, they're seeing interest from US companies, you know, as well as British and other foreign companies with bases in the UK um, as this December 31st Brexit deadline nears. Um, the other is interesting issue is that the Netherlands is a key logistics center and home to Europe's busiest container port in Rotterdam. So the increased activity that they're seeing makes sense, but companies are also, um, you know, looking for other solutions, for solutions in other countries as well. So the main problem is that, you know, if you got a base in the UK and you're using it to serve Europe now, your whole the way you trade over there completely changes. Yeah, lots of complexity there. And we'll continue to monitor mm -hmm. that in coming weeks as the deadline approaches. Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. Go there to check it all out. Thank you, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thanks, Dave. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. And again, our thanks to Phil Rich of Sweetwater for being with us today. We encourage your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to rate this podcast if your podcast platform allows for that. We appreciate your feedback. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Yale. High-performing warehouses depend on Yale for industry-leading lift trucks and much more. For robotics, power options, and even solutions to help with social distancing and reactive measures to limit virus spread, visit Yale.com. We encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and now Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when we will look at technology that assures that warehouse workers maintain safe social distancing on the job. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.